welcome to All Things Iceland. And I'm so excited for my interview today with the lovely April Anderson, who is the director, editor, and cinematographer of the documentary Fire and Iceland. I was very fortunate to be able to check it out. And it's a beautiful collection, of course, visually of the eruption that started on March 19th, changed a lot of our lives, (laughs) but also insight into Icelandic culture with lots of interviews with different individuals, which we of course will go into. And for those who are interested in watching it, whether you actually visited the volcano or not, I know it was all over the news globally. So many people at least got to see some shots of it. You can check out the link in the description box or the show notes, which whichever you're you know, listening to audio wise or watching this on YouTube in order to watch the video yourself, either on Vimeo or Prime video. So both those links will be there for you to check out. And I think this is one of those things to sit down with the family, have some popcorn and learn some stuff as well as be visually stunned because it is gorgeous. So welcome <laughs> to April. Thank you. That was a great introduction. Thank you so much. It's like, you know, I don't have to do anything anymore. I can just, like, <laughs> take like, my well, camera and go home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Interview over. <laughs> no. no, there's a, there's a, there's a lot here for me, at least as a person who like yourself, I'm from New York City. And so coming from a place like New York City, where it's has, it's also fascinating aspects to it. And it's like the concrete jungle to then coming to Iceland, where the nature is literally just in your face. And in this case, they call it, you know, a tourist volcano, which is hilarious to anyone who's been to a volcano, because it's like, mm -mm -mm. (laughs) this is serious business. But before we get into that, I would love for you to talk about, at least give people an understanding about Art as Air Project, which this documentary falls under for your website and things like that. So if you could explain that so people get an idea of some of the work that you do. Well, the Art as Air Project, uh, I started uh, in 2012. And we began by doing um, interviews and profiles of artists from all different genres, all different walks of life. And our goal was to kind of like showcase uh, Mm. different types of art, uh, different types of art sensibilities, and um, really kind of dive into what drives the passion for uh, for you to create something, for you to uh, want to put your art out there in the world. Mm -hmm. So that was that was the primary goal. We started out with a few different uh, profiles of we had a uh, a tattoo artist, we had Mm. um, uh, a, a great songwriter, Desmond Child, who sang, who who actually wrote songs for uh, John Bon Jovi and uh, Bon Jovi and Kiss and nice. a, a million other people, Barbara Streisand. Um, and we did also a profile on the artist Andy Golub, who is a uh, a New York City artist who actually paints nudes, nude people Ooh. in the okay. street. Um, in the streets. In the street. <laughs> this is so New York, I yes. tell you. It is. It is. It was actually really cool because I kind of like happened upon him doing like his first body. In the process. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, he he keeps his clothes on usually. But, you know, but the the, the models are nude and wow. he does uh, intricate paintings all over their bodies. Um, I came across him by chance in the street in 2014. Yeah. And just kind of reached out and we kind of like formed an alliance. Uh, I did our first, we did our first 
Body Painting Day um, documentary, which was called Beyond the Paint. And uh, kind of profiled Andy. We went to Brussels with him to do a Brussels Body Painting Day. So he was like spreading the spreading the naked goodness all over the world. <laughs> um, That's fantastic. Yeah, but so that was fun. And then um, in 2014, we also went to Iceland for the first time. Mm. Yes, we fell in love with Iceland. Um, we came back on the plane. We met a young couple okay. who had just gotten married. They were coming here on a hop over to their honeymoon. And we kind of, you know, Facebook being the great equalizer, we became Facebook friends. You mm -hmm. know? And um, we kept in touch. Uh, so the following year we went and, uh, I spent a day with them and he introduced us to the family horses, his parents' mm. horses. And we fell in love with the horses too. Cause what's not to love? Yeah. So, They're also so curious animals. Like it's ridiculous actually. They're like puppies. <laughs> yeah. They're like puppies. They follow you around. They chew on your wires. Yeah. Like, what are you doing over here? What are you doing? <laughs> they so, want to be the center of, of attention in the oh, video. Yes. Like I did a short video about horses and yet, literally, one of the horses was pushing me out of the way yes, to get yes. to the camera. And I was like, you know what? You're a star. I get it. But chill out. <laughs> that, was, that must have been adorable. I mean, you know, but but yeah, to be up that up close and personal with them was was really special. Um, we actually filmed that uh, in 2018. Mm. We released it in 2019. Um, it's on Amazon, also on Prime Video. Okay. Um, and... We we got we we got a lot of great feedback because first of all Iceland touches kind of a um, a nice space in people mm -hmm. you know it's like oh my god Iceland it's like so raw and it's Vikings and it's this and it's yeah. volcanoes and that and it's like yeah but it's also deeper than that because mm -hmm. it's it's like you it's like traveling from planet to planet as you drive through mm -hmm. you, know, you can be like in one planet and then five minutes later you'll drive through another planet. You know, and it's 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 really literally the most amazing place we've ever been. Nice. Um, and there's a wealth of things to document. So um, we were kind of looking around after Tales of Iceland for a new project. Mm -hmm. And then March 19th, 2021, boom, the volcano happened. And it's like we're sitting here in New York going, there's no flights. <laughs> How are we going to get there? There's no flights. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to actually wait until May 2nd, which was the first flight no out of New York. Way. Yes, way. Wow. I did not yeah. realize you had to wait that long. Oh, my God. It was excruciating. Yeah, that's intense. Okay. Yes. So we got the first flight out, which was canceled. So we actually had to like rent a car on the fly and drive up to Boston because they were flying in and out. Right. Yes, so, that is true. Yeah. yeah. So we we took that flight out and we got there and it was like it, it was it was literally in, the most incredible experience. I mean, being that close to that raw primal yeah. power, you know, that is a volcano and and how it's just it's you have no control over it. You yeah. don't know what it's going to do next. I mean, a rift could have, you know, opened up right next to me. And I was like, okay, what a way to go. Yeah. You know? It's like, if I have to die. <laughs> don't want to, but yeah. all right. <laughs> Granted, I'm sure you were being careful. I mean, we're, we're joking about it, but 
the thing is good is that you're like, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. Well, you know, it's it's true because Valor Gredesen, who is one of the people who is in the film, um, he said, Icelanders don't die at, you know, from a volcano. They die on the way to the volcano and the way back from the volcano. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like. It was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to break a leg. I'm going to do this. And But it's like getting out of your comfort zone like that yes. was was, you know, everything. You know, just just actually digging deep, finding the reserves and actually doing it. Because yes. it, it was not an easy hike, especially for us who've been sitting in our apartment for the last yeah. two years. You know, but it was it was phenomenal. We the people we met were amazing. Uh everybody was so gracious with their time. Great. And and we feel like we really were able to get something. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say you accomplished quite a great feat in terms of the amount of people you talked to. And the different insights that you got. So well done, for sure. Thank you. you. And I mean, in terms of, you already kind of talked about this already, being that you've done a documentary about Icelandic horses and being kind of so in love, you know, with Iceland, which I understand a thousand percent. Well, you did because (laughs) you came here, came there from New York. I mean, did you Mm -hmm. go on a whim or did you go like with the intent of moving there? Or how did you get there? I did go on the intent just because my husband is Icelandic. So this was, so you a, met him not in I met him in, in New York many years ago though. The thing that's so funny is that before we ever were a couple, I met him. We both were in college. He was in college in the U S I'm sorry. He was, I was in college in the U S he was in college in Iceland and he was visiting a mutual friend. So I met like the only Icelander on campus. Well <laughs> done he had mutual friends coming over from Iceland and yeah. And then like, Many years after that is when Ganesh and I ended up getting together. So it's just like a re- you just never know who you meet in your life that will help to change your life or you know be a part of your journey. That is so true. That yeah. is so true. And and you know and and there are so many people, so many kind of like uh, there's so much input into mm-hmm. you know your life that if you allow it to happen. Yes, really. That's another thing. You have to be open to the possibilities that miracles happen every day, right? Yes. I think I don't know if it's Einstein that said it. But there is a person who said that there's two types of people, the person who believes that miracles happen every day and then the person that doesn't believe this at all. Right. And so it's like this idea that like anything. They're kind of sad. (laughs) (laughs) The second ones are kind of sad. That's true. But I think it is. I think it comes down like you said, a mindset and that mindset sometimes like really brings things to you because you're attracting this energy. So you just never know where life might take you if you believe that it can take you anywhere. Well, that's hopefully the plan. I mean, yes. I mean, you you've made a whole new life there. Yeah. You know, and we're we're talking about actually maybe going there part time later on, nice. depending on our job situations and everything. So, you know, because that's how much we love it and yeah. the people. We've we've gotten a really close bunch of friends, and you know, it's 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 really it's it's a fabulous fabulous experience being there. That's awesome. And for those who don't know, I mean, you maybe you're aware of this already, April. But there is a program the government has where people can come and stay here for up to six months doing remote yes. work. Yeah. Yes. So that's we're, like opened up a lot. Yeah. That's opening up a lot, a lot of opportunities for people who've always wanted to at least try out living in Iceland and seeing how that goes for them. So, well, one of the people that we, you know, the my co producer on Tales of Iceland and on Fire in Iceland, Erna Arnardotter, mm-hmm. which of course I'm mispronouncing. Um, she is a human resources person. So mm, yeah. yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> Make the In right connection. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. So, okay. Into the documentary though. So yes. about uh, the inspiration behind it, was it really like the volcano erupted and we need to get there because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity? Like what was going through your mind when you're like, we have to document this? That, yes, that. Um, and, and just the opportunity to have another uh, life-changing, life-altering creative experience like we did with Tales of Iceland. Mm-hmm. You know, we were we were ripe for a new project. You know, we were kind of looking around going, well, okay, yeah, fine. Okay, we could do that. Oh, we could go to the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, there was no choice. Yeah. We had to go. And, and then it just... It, it, it's funny because I am a super control freak, and, okay. <laughs> um, but these processes are really good for me because I kind of like have to let go and just see what happens, mm. you know, and not try and plan too much. So, you know, and my husband, Martin, it uh, flies the drones. He does the soundtrack, nice. the music, you know, and so we're, we do everything in house. So, you know, we're, it's, it's really it's, it's really up to us mm-hmm. to make whatever we can as good as we can as an accurate representation of what our experience was. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. And I didn't realize Martin is your, your husband, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> so just, he's in the house, one who reached baby. out. <laughs> in house. That's, I'm, you know, if you want to keep it all, keep it small, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, like, exactly. exactly. Uh, and I was wondering because there's a person in the documentary who went to the volcano 67 times. Adam. Wow. Adam Kaksuva. He Actually, yeah. Adam Adam was a lifesaver in this process. Okay. Because he went 67 times and he filmed, you know, mm. he filmed it every time he went. And he was so gracious and forthcoming with his footage. Wow. We reached out to him. We found him on Facebook. Huh. Again. What? Yes. Believe that's insane. Yeah, well, wow. you know, I, I have to say that Facebook is highly underrated as a tool, you know, mm. for connecting. And um, while it might even embarrass some people to say so, I'm not embarrassed. You know, I use no. it. I use it as much as I can to to like make connections, and um, and it's worked out really well as a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's uh, but Adam, we reached out to him. He was like. Yeah, okay, you can have whatever you want. And I'm like, really? Oh, no. Yeah. So he, just, he sent us tons of footage that I was able to I was able to actually do uh, a kind of a chronology of how mm-hmm. we had the very beginning. And of course, Valor Gredison was a great uh, narrator mm-hmm. uh, with the whole story of it, which which you know was throughout the film as well. Yes. So, you know, between the narration, the, the, the verbal narration and the, the film footage, um, we were able to actually capture what we had not been able to capture That's by only being able to go there. We actually went in May and we went again in the summer. And by okay. the summer, it was a whole different volcano. You yes. couldn't even get close to it. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, Martin got absolutely. some really great footage. Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was on point. But I talked to a person recently, literally yesterday, I'm going to say his name wrong because it's Belgian. And well, join the club. Yeah, but he's not Icelandic. He's he's Belgian. And it's like Jarun or Jurun or something like that. Yes, anyway. yes I've seen his, his, he came out with a book, didn't he? Yeah, so that yeah. that's what he and I were talking about was yes. this book. And it was funny because I was like, do you know April? And he's like, no, but I know of her. And I was like, okay. It was kind of funny cool. having these like well, conversations. Well, I know of him too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But yeah, he, he went 44 times. Yes. And I was Amazing just like, photographs. Yeah. And I went three times and I was like, that's good for me. <laughs> like, I'm, this is a lot. Because it wasn't easy. Was no. It? Especially no. in the beginning. In the beginning yes. when it first Did you go erupted. in the beginning? Yeah, I went like not the very first because they were telling people to not go too close, like, you know, too early. But I did go and the hike, we we hiked from near the Blue Lagoon, which oh is insanely long. Yes. And yes. my I, I don't know if I'd ever, actually, it's not true. I've hiked that long before, but I had actually trained to go on like days long hikes in the past. At this point, like you mentioned COVID sitting around, whatever, most of us were just kind of like inside trying to wait out this whole a pandemic situation and then it was like okay we're getting up and going hiking in like rugged terrain it's like from zero to 60 in five yeah. seconds yeah it was pretty intense so it's just hearing people like this that have gone you know 44 times 67 times and you're just like that sounds like a great workout but in reality I after i'd gone a few times i was like mm-mm, i'm not mm-mm, i'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> like i'm enjoying everybody else's footage <laughs> i think no yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I really, I really applaud those who went so many times because they really have a historic documentation of mm-hmm. the cycles and phases. And um, that's, that's, that's truly an amazing accomplishment. So agreed. And yeah. Valard, who you were talking about, which most people, well, I don't know how much of a crossover there is of people who watch my channel and the Reykjavik grapevine, which I love the grapevine. They were a huge part of like, why I felt comfortable Yes. Moving to Iceland and like getting Icelandic news and English and everything. So he's the editor in chief there for anyone who's um, maybe recognizing the name when you're saying it. And he's Mm -hmm. in this documentary giving his opinion and he went many times as well. (laughs) So I'm I'm wondering how many times he went because they they were also like broadcasting from there often. It's a good question. But he he and Art Bicknick, who are like his cameraman, they, they, they had some incredible stuff. I mean, some of the stuff that they filmed of him, like in front of the volcano and in front of the creeping lava. And yeah. it was, yeah, that was, that was truly amazing. It was great, great journalism. Yes. And instead of just basing though, the documentary on the fact that, you know, there's lava spewing out of the earth, which honestly is enough for many people. <laughs> you went deeper. And like you mentioned, there's a whole lot more that's deeper here. And in Icelandic history, there is a lot that's happened with volcanic eruptions and destruction. And with this one, like I mentioned in the beginning, it's a tourist uh, eruption, but yeah, (laughs) but you talk about volcanic culture and that's that's actually a phrase that, that I kind of, I I think I coined, but, but I, I coined it to kind of describe the fact that volcanoes are volcanoes. I mean, they are a fact that they happen. Mm-hmm. And they're beautiful sometimes, they're deadly other times. You know, you never know which way it's going to go with a volcano. But the people who live there, who are in the shadow of the volcanoes, they're the ones that we wanted to capture how, what, the, what their sensibility is, mm-hmm. what their life is like. Do they think about it all the time? Do they just kind of like say, oh, well, if it happens, it happens? You know, which we got varying, you know, opinions. Mm-hmm. Of, of what the actual volcanic culture is in Iceland. But uh, I think being able to interview a wide variety of people uh, of different walks of life, different, you know, um, uh, creative and non-creative aspects, uh, I, think, I think was kind of valuable to, for the whole picture. 
-hmm. that it's not just a really pretty thing that, you know, may kill you, you know? (laughs) Exactly. And I appreciated that insight because I think it really hones in on Icelandic culture and, and people asking this question, like, why would you live in a place where your life can be in danger? And I remember thinking this myself when I first, not even when I moved, but when I first thought about moving and I heard about the eruption that happened on the Westman Islands in the 70s, in 1970s. <laughs> and, 73, okay. yeah. hmm? 1973. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that to me was like, whoa. No, I would not want that to happen to me. And then after living here, it was like, oh, well, you know, things happen. And, you know, we do our best to mitigate (laughs) these like different things. But we're here, we're living and we can't control everything. And there is this aspect of like, for my personal life changing, but also seeing people who've grown up with it or even talk to like my ascendic family and hearing this kind of, it'll it'll be fine. (laughs) Let's not put worry into that type of, you know, this future and, you know, we'll deal with it when it happens. Well, that, that is a key aspect of Icelandic culture in my, in my uh, experience Mm -hmm. is that they don't worry about things like that, you know, and, and um, they just make, that's why a lot of times you can't make them, you can't force them to make a plan. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's like, oh, <laughs> let's see, there could be a rains of thunderstorm here, a volcano over here. It could be, you know, when, when we get closer, you know, that kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a pragmatic acceptance mm-hmm. of, of actual that as, as Julius from uh, the lava show said uh, that nature can speak when she wants to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's absolutely no control we have over that. Yes. And everyone uh, must listen. Like you don't have a choice. (laughs) No, it's true. And I mean, for you coming, going there uh, and being in this kind of, I mean, here in New York, we could get blown up or, or stabbed or, you know, or or whatever. I mean, those are little things to us. They're like, yeah, whatever. Well, that, yeah, whatever is the same kind of sensibility that they have toward nature. Yeah. With a larger force at play, you know, I feel like watching your back is, is it's it's very helpful, but it's also so different than being like, oh yeah, that volcano is about to like swallow my house. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and it and it teaches you not to grow too attached to anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Super fascinating. And thankfully, this volcano, for those who might not be aware of it, was not something that puts people's lives in danger in terms of like homes or towns and things. It literally the reason why it's a tourist volcano is because people could go and enjoy it. There's easy access. Easy meaning relatively, you know, by, either by plane, hiking. Some people had car access if they, you know, were had media um, rights or whatever, but very mm-hmm. few people got that. And then, of course, the majority of people walked. So that was, in itself is there was unique. There was also, yeah, there was also the fact that, um, you know, coming right out on the heels of the pandemic, mm. uh, it kind of like, it kind of brought tourism back to, to mm-hmm. Iceland in a big way in a hurry. I mean, we know because, you know, they'd gotten rid of their cars, rental cars during the yes. pandemic because there, yeah. there were no takers. And then we came and we were like, we could, we could, it was like really hard pressed to, to actually get a rental car for, for the summer of 2021. Yeah. And it was like insanely expensive because yes. they were still trying to recover, trying to get back their, their stock. But it's like, but, but that, but that little volcano really helped get Iceland back on the path to economic recovery. Exactly. Yeah. And it's still now people are like, we could use another one of those. (laughs) Oh, 
okay. I'm happy. Like, <laughs> okay, bring it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, hopefully we'll also be in another place. Like Katla, for instance, I mean, you talk with, about this with Julius. And that is a very precarious situation because yes, it it's not just that, of course, the access to it is there, but the literal amount of flooding, the glacial flooding would wipe out Vik. It would just be gone. And that part to me is super fascinating. And also that's where I go like, I'm glad I don't live in Vik. No offense to anyone in Vik, but that is really intense. <laughs> and I know sure. like, I know one person who lives there and I'm like, girl, oh, yeah, please be careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but. But, but but again, you know, like you said, that they have a kind of emergency response system whereby mm-hmm. if Katla goes, they'll have 15 minutes to grab their belongings and go. So I'm sure everybody's got a go bag yes. in Zik. In I mean, I wish I could pronounce everything like you because yeah. I'm really envious of your pronunciation. <laughs> you're, you're like flawless in your pronunciation. Oh, thank you. Well, it's this one is uh, Vik. So Vik, yes. There you go. Okay. For going forward, it's Vik. That's Thank it. you. You got it. Just like that. It, I think it literally just takes the uh, like slight hints or like pronunciation tips. Because a lot of Icelandic, granted, there are some tongue twisters that are ridiculous, right? But there are some words that I think it's more of when we see the word versus how it's said can feel very confusing to our brain because the way Vik is spelled is V-I-K, but a special I in Icelandic. So when you see it, you say Vic, which is totally makes sense when you well, say that's, it. Yeah, that's the tourist yeah. pronunciation. Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't graduated yet from my tourist pronunciation. <laughs> You're getting we can, we can talk about AFIT like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. Okay. I can master that when I can master almost anything. Yes. You'll, you'll definitely get it. And if you want any help with that one, let me know. I'm actually making a video about that because I think it's pretty Oh, well, I'll be watching that one. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be on TikTok. Awesome. That's where I am these days. But <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> and you also talked to Isar, which I think this is another aspect of Icelandic culture that mm-hmm. even if you're not thinking about the eruption, it is so beautiful and also unusual to see that there's a full... There are many teams. I think there's at least nine teams or something of people who are part of the Icelandic mm-hmm. search and rescue team who are 100% volunteer-based. They do not get paid. They buy their own equipment and everything. So Uniforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that was something to me. When I first found out about that, I was like, wait, what? Why? You know? And then they're like, but they're so proud. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like when, especially Oli John, who is part of the ISAR team, he was like, I want to be here as a volunteer, not as a paid employee. It's like I felt I felt like there should be a spit after that. <laughs> paid employee, please. <laughs> so yeah, they were all they, you know, they are they're the ones who kept everybody safe. Yeah. And you know, and actually it's it's funny because Martin, my husband, cut his fingers on the drone. And so he's featured in a little little That's Martin. Piece. Okay. That's Martin. I didn't realize yeah. I thought that was just yeah. a random person. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, he played the part of the stupid tourist. Yeah, that looked like it was really painful, too. Ooh. That was fine. <laughs> I like how you're doing. He's good. <laughs> like, I'm the asshole who didn't put the camera down to help him. But I was like, there was everybody stepping in. And I'm like, I'm getting this. Yeah, this is the perfect opportunity. <laughs> Heartless. Heartless. The real, like, director in you was like, no, no, no. Don't even look at the camera. Just keep going. Don't stop rolling. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, well, I'm glad his fingers are all intact, though. Oh, they're fine. <laughs> and in terms of impact for you 
as a creator, of course, but then as a person, like, how did you feel after having experienced this eruption? I was, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's funny because you go through life and you have experiences that are like one of a kind experiences that, you know, will never probably never be repeated as far as the intensity and the drama. And it, it almost like, it almost like sets you up to be like, well, everything else is going to be like, what am I going to do now? Because everything else is going to be like kind of a, eh. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of spoils you for one, but at the same time, the, the entire process was really so mind blowing in, in, in its uh, impact on our creative lives, mm. uh, witnessing it, being able to document it, and uh, at the same time, you know, being, I was terrified a lot <laughs> because it's like, you know, am I going to break a leg? Because, you know, you heard the star guys say there's like broken legs, broken yep. bones, there's heart attacks and strokes. And I'm like, okay, am I going to be a statistic or am I going to make it? So, so again, it's getting out of your comfort zone and actually expanding, you know, your, your horizon to mm -hmm. encompass something like this and just doing it as opposed to being afraid and backing down and not doing it, right. which I never would have forgiven myself for. So right. I feel like it was the ultimate experience. It really was. But that's there could awesome. be another one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there will be. I mean, that's just yeah. the nature of Iceland. It's just more of if that one will be as accessible as this one. And yeah. there's a good chance that it won't be. But you never know. I mean, no one was expecting this one to go off. And yes. there we go, you know, so no one, not even the authorities, not even right. the, the geologists. There was literally a geologist who the night of the volcano, this has got to be so embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, there will not be a volcano eruption. Volcanic right eruption. It's like, bloop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, yes, there is. JK. Right? Uh -huh. about, like, Hello. The ultimate punked moment in, of yeah. nature. <laughs> yeah. Not one, not one a geologist wants. No. But at the same time, I think also the language around the eruption kept, you know, they kept keeping it loose and open to be like, we don't know how long, blah, blah, blah. Also to mitigate all of these the questions. They really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody knows how these things work. Nobody knows how they will, will they, when they'll start, when they stop. They, they're basically reporting, yes. you know, which is fine because they have a lot of science behind them in their reporting. Exactly. But you can't predict, you can't say, you know, how, again, we were hoping it was going to go on for a few years so that we could go back again yeah. and, and, you know, just capture different phases. But it kind of was, it kind of was fitting that it lasted six months. It like, it went from this phase to this phase to this phase. And then there was an end point. And it was like, well, this is great for the documentary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and well, I mean, you're going to be having your premiere of it here mm -hmm. in Iceland, in Reykjavik, which I'm excited yes. to be. Okay. Yes, I'm excited to meet you. Yeah, likewise, at Bio Paradis. And so for people who do come to Iceland, I highly recommend going to this independent theater because that's yes. how you keep them alive. They are not mm -hmm. one of those theaters that just focuses on like what's the most popular blockbuster, but rather art and really yes. culture and, and giving a platform to different types of artists who are doing independent work. So mm -hmm. big fan of them. Yes, so I'm glad uh, that you're, 
Yeah, that's awesome. And it's also like literally in downtown Reykjavik, so it's so <laughs> easy to get to and enjoy. Yeah, and there's a great exactly. Indian restaurant next to it. Have you been there? No, but so, we're going to go now that you said oh, that. So good. So it's called Oyster India Fielaget, which is like East Indian community, I guess. And their food is Again amazing. with the perfect pronunciation. <laughs> It's it's and when you go in there, it feels like you're transformed to another world. Like on the outside, you're just like, is this the place? And you go in, you're like, this is gorgeous. It is absolutely beautiful. You would never assume that this is right next door, but it is, and I highly recommend. Awesome, I'm taking that for a treat. Yay! (laughs) And during the documentary, though, so because you mentioned that you know it was challenging. Was there anything while you were either capturing like behind the scenes stuff that surprised you or that when someone said something, you were like, oh, interesting. Oh, so many things. <laughs> so many things. I mean, you know, just actually coming from where we come from, the other side of the pond, um, it's 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 a whole different way of, again, getting back to the how they look at life, how they look at, you know, um, uh, their place in nature, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because they have carved a niche in nature in Iceland in order to survive. They have the geothermal, they have, you know, all of these, they, they're very innovative with their technologies, which I really respect yeah. and not steeped in fossil fuels and just like actually paving the way for the future without that. And, right. and without other key elements that are going by the wayside um, soon, uh, yeah. you know, in the, in the next century. So, um, yeah, it was super interesting just getting everybody's take on, on not just, again, you know, it was about a volcano, but it wasn't about a volcano. Right. You know, it was really about the people. And that's really what we fo- like to focus on in all of our documentaries, because it is about the connection and um, and exploring that is half the fun. Exactly. And I don't want to give too much away about the documentary because it is like we're talking about, it's integrating so much insight and culture and also has GDRN, so Gwydrun, who is the star of the Netflix series Katla, which is mm-hmm. kind of funny that we talk about Katla and the volcano and, yeah. and how it's transformative of people's lives. Have you seen that series? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as okay. soon as it it's came like, out, sure. Yeah. She's yeah, amazing in it. It exactly. was her first, it was her first, Wait, her first time oh acting. I was like, oh my God. Girl. I know. Literally. She's so talented. She's <laughs> I mean, so I love her music also. Well, yeah. And, I, and yeah. she talked about how songwriters, Icelandic songwriters, many times use nature mm-hmm. uh, as a kind of a, a cover for yeah. emotion. Yes. So, you know, and, and it's funny because in, in my, in my experience with, um, interviewing Icelandic people, mm-hmm. you almost have to many times just crack them. You have yeah. to crack them and get into, you know, and get yes. past the the magma, cooled magma surface, <laughs> to use a metaphor, yeah. and, and just kind of like dig a little deeper because there's a wealth underneath yeah. that. Agreed. Yeah, that is a thousand percent true. A lot of Icelanders come off as pretty cold and distant. Yeah. But they are often, like you're saying, they're, I don't know if you can call it shyness, but there is this like reserved type of attitude when they first meet yeah. someone. And then all of a sudden it's just like, <laughs> once you're in, you're in. <laughs> they really like. Right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, you, you live there, you, you have experienced this, I'm sure many times over, mm-hmm. especially with your, 
your uh, your series, your interviews. Yes. You know, with the, I'm sure you interview a lot of Icelandic people, and I'm sure you can vouch for that because yes. that's it's really a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Probably my my most favorite, and I only mentioned this one because he is literally one of the hardest nuts to crack. His name is Kaori Stefansson, and he's the creator of Deco Genetics, which like has oh. done groundbreaking genetics work in Iceland. That's like paved the way for other countries when it comes to like um, mapping a population and then coming up wow. with like genes and ideas for how to uh, find treatment for diseases that might be genetic and stuff. Anyway, so he is what I would call like the ultimate curmudgeon. <laughs> and so when you first meet him, there is this like, you know, has this almost like testing you to see what kind of person you are. And then it just becomes, oh, he just like opens up once he feels like you're okay. Yeah. And I was like, that was the weird, at the beginning of my interview, I thought that this was going to be horrible. And it ended up we having like having a great time. And he, even after the interview, chatting and laughing. And I was like, who was the person I met at the beginning? I'm so confused. <laughs> but yeah, there are people who are that extreme. But of course, most people are, are not as intense, but they just have a little bit of like reservation that you have to get past. Yeah, I, I had that with uh, Ragnar Sigerson, mm-hmm. the photographer. <laughs> Um, he, uh, cause they don't know what to expect from you. They don't know, you know, you're going to ask a stupid question. What do I, what do I do if you ask a stupid question? And I don't know how to answer it. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I get it. I totally get it. Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, I, I went in and I, I just kind of like just hung a little bit and, and he gave me one of the best interviews of, of the, the documentary, just talking yeah. about his experiences like in that that calm, sweet voice. And those pictures are like, yes. they're like phenomenal. From the eighties. From Oh my God. I know. It's like, he has so much documentation of so many, I mean, he's got like 5 million yes. photographs. Insane. I mean, it's like, it's like 5 million. I couldn't be alive that long to take 5 million <laughs> pictures, but he has. Yes. And he still and he also has strong. access that no one, like the majority of people are not yes. getting on. In fact, hardly anyone's getting on a Coast Guard plane, <laughs> a helicopter, and going yeah. to the volcano, right? Like that's just not happening. Yeah, he, so. did, he did have some perks. Talk about the ultimate hookup. Uh, wow. He deserves it because he's been documenting Iceland and helping to promote Iceland for decades. Yes. So and what makes- a sweet man. We're BFFs yes. on Facebook now. Oh, which when you watch the documentary, that's the thing that is so interesting to me is the shot that is straight on with him. His eyes are so sweet. And yes. he just has like, you can tell when he's talking about his work, he's so passionate that it was beautiful to watch him talk. And I was like, oh, this guy, is just, yeah. he loves his life. He loves loved his him. job. He's yeah. so, such an amazing person. I loved interviewing him and meeting him and, yeah. you know, and loved like that we were able to document him, you know. Because this is going to be his legacy, as he said. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that he said, um, I want that to be my legacy. I was like, dude, it is your legacy. You've already gotten into that point of being a legend. Done. (laughs) I understand. He feels like there's so much more to capture. It's done and done. Yeah, absolutely. So my last question for you, (laughs) which I ask everybody is, what is your favorite? Yeah. (laughs) That's it. You already have it. Your favorite Icelandic word or phrase? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like trying to pronounce this is like, oh my god, you know, like what do I do now? I might, what way do I wrap my tongue now? 
you know, which what do you want to go over pronouncing it now? We yes, please. Yes, okay. please. So it's good, I think, to break the word down. And so mm-hmm. if you do that, Eya Fiatla Yogurt is how you say it together. Yeah, but Eya, Eya, like Eya, Eya. And then there's a double L sound that happens. Yeah. And what I do to practice these double L sign sounds is I do this like um, sucking in or blowing out of air through my teeth while they're together. It's so like, like this, because I will help you do this double L sound. sound. So Fiatla. Fiatla. Mm-hmm. You're good. You're good. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that sound. So it's like Eya. Eya. Fiatla. Fiatla. You're good. You're good. You're good. That last part you're gets good. me. You're yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. You're Almost good. like yogurt. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Right. Well, you might have to stand up at the premiere and, and <laughs> we'll, we'll do a little back and forth. Okay, I'll say a volcano and you give the pronunciation. <laughs> no. But yeah, so Eya Fiatla Yogurt is. Eya Fiatla Yogurt. It's getting there. It just see, fiat, see, it's a, already. Fiat, fiat, I have to remember. Fiatla, Fiatla. Fiatla Yogurt. Yeah. And that's at the end. What's like another part of it, like I mentioned before, is like when you're visually thinking of the word and then saying it, that can screw you up because of how we say uh, two L's together and how Icelandic, uh, how Icelanders say double L. Sometimes it's not always the case in every word. I have to say that because I'd be an Icelander, like, not always. And I'm like, I know. I, well, I it's agree. like English. English is a very <laughs> difficult language because it's yes. like hardly ever the same pronunciation with, you know, the same number of letters in, in, the, yeah. in a word. And so, homonyms. Yeah, oh my gosh. Like they, they, no, they're, they're, they're. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, can but we simplify this? <laughs> Can we yeah. just please simplify that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, thank, you, thank you for the lesson. I appreciate it. Yeah, my, my and I will, yeah, and I'll have to like hit you up for more. No problem at all. And so do you, is that your favorite word then? Yeah, well, it's the one yeah. I've been practicing the most, obviously, <laughs> really not to any great benefits. I'm going I'm to put it up on the screen then so people can see what we're talking about. Because people yes. will be like, what do you mean by this word? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's a volcano. It goes boom. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the one that went off in 2010. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And basically put Iceland on the map. So a lot of people are unaware of the fact that. They put it on the map and took it off the map. And, the same <laughs> exactly. like, and yeah. you can't come here. <laughs> yeah. Nanny, nanny, boo. <laughs> so, okay. Ah, there it is. So this is what I mean by the there two you, double yeah. L's that happen in Fiatla and Jökull. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, this la. special character O that has the two dots. And there's a J in there, if they, just for good measure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's like, well, have, let's have three J's. <laughs> yeah, let's have three J's because two is not enough and neither no. is one. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. We'll definitely yeah. well, we'll practice it. Lessons as, you, as you like. Awesome. So, awesome. But yeah, my pleasure. And of course, those who want to check out the documentary, it's not expensive at all, actually, if you want to watch it. And it's a fun, I, like I said, it's fun for all ages, but also for those who, especially if you didn't get a chance to visit the volcano, you get a, you uh-huh. will now get the opportunity to visually see it from, you know, perspective, of course, April and Martin, but I think from an Icelanders perspective. The contributors too. also, yeah, the contributors yeah. were key. With the local uh, Ragnar's photographs and mm-hmm. and Adam's footage and and we, we got footage from uh, another person Scott Hurst who was mm-hmm. there in June 
and yeah. also volunteered to give us some drone footage. Nice. So, you know, we, we and there was Leon Fry also, who was who is a um, uh, uh, in Switzerland and he was there and he you know, gave us some as well. So we have we have we had a lot of great contributors that we're very, very thankful for for this. And um, and it is the uh, it's on Prime Video in the U.S. and U.K. only. Ah, okay. uh, ah, but it's on Vimeo on demand worldwide. And it has 10 caption options, including Icelandic. Right. I have no idea if they're any good, but <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> okay. Well, that's thank you for adding that because I wasn't mm-hmm. aware that the Prime was only in those two countries, yes, but it's good that you have the Vimeo option as well. So yes. great. Because there's lots of different people interested in Iceland around the world, and I'm sure would love to see this. Yes, and rightly so. Rightly so. It's it's okay. it's an incredible experience. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, April. I look forward to meeting you in person yes. and not too long from now on the anniversary. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much for having me. My I appreciate pleasure. It very much. And uh, and I love your series. Your series is, is great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Your series that. of podcasts and broadcasts. Thank you. <laughs> and it's, it's my pleasure to share. And I just love that I get these opportunities. So thank you to everybody watching and or listening. And we'll see you in the next video.